A kickback is a get-together consisting of close friends and family. It's more than a hangout, but less than a party. Be careful though, a kickback can very easily turn into a full-fledged function. I'm Michael Roy, and this is The Kickback. you know this is my show where i sit down with people that could be found at a kickback i'd be having and today i have the pleasure of bringing you the incomparable oh god <laughs> the infamous <laughs> mr trife if it ain't trife it ain't right it ain't right <laughs> thank you for coming to the kickback sir Thank you for having me. Uh, it's it's kind of dope, you know. Yeah. There's some really dope people here, and I'm I'm hoping to have a great time today. Okay, good, good. <laughs> How are you this morning? Um, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a slightly mm-hmm. hungover, just a little bit. Right, just a little, just enough to keep things interesting. I did what I needed to do last night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and um, oh, for every for all the listeners, we are coming to you live from Calvin's. I would call it the chateau. The chateau, live from the chateau, yes, on the sunny south side of DC in Technicolor. <laughs> chateau Sino. Welcome. Too got too bad you guys can't see how you know amazing it is here. Yes. Um, it is quintessential Southeast DC. Yeah, it is. It is. And and if you if you don't know now, you know Calvin has had many a kickback at the chateau. That oh yes. Uh, how long do they stay just kickbacks? Do any of your kickbacks stay kickbacks or do they always end up turning into functions? <sighs> well, honestly, um, <laughs> that depends on the people. You know, I invite people and I set a space for them. But when I'm tired, I just go to bed. That's real. I don't usually invite people I don't trust into my home. Mm-hmm. Well, I try not to. And mm-hmm. so when I'm ready, I go right on the And everybody just keeps, yeah, you know. Uh, hit the lock button on your way out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, a kickback, you, you if you don't want something to be a function, then you make sure that you keep it like around like 10 people. Right. You don't allow plus ones. You, you're very stringent. You know? Yeah. And you, you let the people know, like, do not bring. Yeah. I stifle everyone's progress. With the spray bottle. <laughs> don't bring that mess up in here. <laughs> um, Mr. Trife, a.k.a. Mr. Sino. Because really, you're more known now as Mr. Trife than you are as Mr. Sino. You know, the weirdest thing is like walking into the gym and someone's like, try. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck are y'all yelling at? <laughs> where, where are, where can you be found at the kickback? By the we, bar. Right. By the bar. I'm definitely going in and I, I'm going to post up by the bar because the bar is where everyone will tip through. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect. You know, like you can have a cute conversation you can tip away if you don't feel like continuing. Oh, got my drink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go ahead. And- uh huh. But it's not awkward to stand and chat, you know, by the bar for a little right. bit too. So it's a the bar is a is a perfect transient space okay. to do what you need to do. And if you want to tip away, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because you found something you want to talk to or because, hey, you just kind of over that conversation. So right. The bar is my place. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then how... Okay, so moving forward, how long have we known each other? 11 years. Jesus. It's been 11. This this year is year 11 for us. Yeah. Because we were 18, 19 when we met. Yeah. And I am... <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we, you know, we, we young. I'm 30 now, so right. yeah. Uh, we, we, we've, we've been friends for a good decade. Now. Oh my God. Okay, so... How I love asking this question because people either know or they don't know. But how do you remember how we first met, and do you remember having any first impressions? Uh, <laughs> good or bad? You can. Are we live? We we're live. Okay, let's well, go there. Where's the uh, bleepy button? Uh, I got I got the bleepy button. <laughs> do you want that? Do we need that? We we'll just be prepared. Okay, I will be prepared. <laughs> Just be like, well, I. <laughs> no, um, I would assume that I met you uh, in Drew Hall, uh-huh. probably at step tryouts. So uh-huh. people didn't know we were on the step team together. I would assume that that's where I first had the mic, my, my major interaction with you, or like met you. Yeah. And then after we made the step team, right? Because <laughs> everything at Howard is a haze, right? After we made the step team, that's probably where my like initial memories i feel like tony's in there somewhere too oh lord um <laughs> but i'm gonna say that is probably the first time i met you and i don't remember having an initial uh reaction out of you you were more of a person that came in and kind of like scoped the background uh-huh. scoped the scene you weren't one of those people that wanted everyone to see them and know that they had arrived uh-huh. kind of like a sean or right. a javi <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, shout out to them if they're listening. Yeah. They're going to have to come to the kickback at some point. Um, you know, it has to be classy if Sean's coming. Right. Yeah, we got to keep it real classy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, you know what? You know what's so funny? We, at Nelson's birthday party in New York, we talked about this. I, we were talking about, like, you know, Drew Hall and all the things. Uh-huh. And I was just saying how, like, you know, there were certain members of the step team that were invited to functions with, you know, Tony and them. And I was, and I remember being very upset that I was like not included. You didn't realize that it was an honor. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, I remember being like, and I remember Sean pulling me to the side and being like, you're, these parties are not for you. This is a set, not a function. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, and then, so the thing was, so they had the nerve to like look me in my face and be like, oh, you could have been invited. First of all, no, I could not have been invited. I'm sit my right. See, and so, so, but they were like, I was very. Who said it? CJ was like, oh, you, but you were given like, I don't care. Like I'm Michael, I'm here to step, and I don't care about nothing else. And do you feel the same way? Like, is that what I was? That the vibe I was given that like, I was not really here to like make friends. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you just came to step. <laughs> That's it. That's it. No, um, I don't. I don't think I felt that way. I think we all had our own motives for why we were doing a lot of the things we were doing. We were also eighteen and nineteen. Yeah. Um, and the the second iterations of the kickbacks or the sets, as I like to call them. Yeah. I don't think it was anything that that you would have felt uncomfortable in. It was just. They were trying to get to know their sisters a little bit better. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, I think that's just all it was. And also, 
I remember going to Tony's Weed Wine and Wednesday. Mm. Obviously, I wasn't doing those right. We weren't or drinking yeah. because I was underage. It's right, exactly. And it wasn't legal in DC. However, I did <laughs> uh, go for the camaraderie, mm-hmm. and it was a good time on Wednesdays. You should just go out there and just chat about our week, how it was going in yes. school, and. Um, they would have wine and sometimes yeah. make tacos. It was yeah. a beautiful evening. But <laughs> you, you remember what they used to call Tony's house, right? No. The playground. Oh. That's because that's where the kids go to play. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh no. Okay. Oh. Well Yeah, so that they used to call it the playground. Well, that was me. that was like that's where the kids go to play. Mm. And I never understood that until I became a, an adult. Oh. When I became an adult, I pulled away childish things. You no, know? listen. Okay, I yeah, I was not invited to the playground ever and I was really upset about it because That's and, okay. That's okay. I mean you seen one seesaw, you seen them all. <laughs> <laughs> I was so oblivious. So oblivious. Really? Yeah, I really I really was. Well, I was too until I got there. No, mm. until I came back. <laughs> <laughs> so oblivious. Okay, so actually let's talk about that. Because I feel like that. To no well, no, no, not that. We don't we don't need to go we don't need to go into that. What I'm saying is like I think I think because of the way I was raised and where I come from and how open I am, I can confuse people sometimes. No, that's fair. Yeah. And so, and I think it's fair. It's not an insult. So I don't get upset with that, but it's just like, I also like, am not like, I'm not tripping. So if y'all have, are having a function, like why am I not invited? But you, (laughs) you know, my, so my brother's, Uh, they feel the exact same way. My brothers are like super open, super cool. Um, They both have wives. And I remember when they were in D.C. for my birthday party, Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, I'm doing this day party at Rose Bar. Pull up. They had a great time. I was like, but also I have this circuit party afterwards. And I'm like, what is that? (laughs) And I was like, you know, it's circuit. No one's going to have on clothes, harnesses, whatever. Right. Body positive. A lot of great fun. And they were like, oh, we're coming. And I'm like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Wait. No, I'm gonna drop y'all off. Right. This is a grown folks' party. So they couldn't come. They pulled up on okay. me. Okay. They was like, "What's the address?" Oh. And I was like, eh. <laughs> "So my sisters pulled in with like they had bras, panties, like fishnets, yeah. heels. Yeah. My brother just like took his shirt off. Yeah. And his like drawers on, and they just they, they had a good time. They had a great time. So I say that to say that sometimes people can mistake that because you're in a safe space or a certain or you're hanging out with certain type of people that you are gay, but. I think our generation is really opening the door and leading Mm -hmm. a new space uh, for people to be able to be comfortable no matter what the prominent demographic is of the room. You're starting to see that a lot in D.C. and L.A. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of like sometimes I'll do parties that are done by gay promoters, but you'll see a lot of women there. Mm -hmm. Like some of the a lot of the Baltimore Raven cheerleaders coming up parties. They started bringing Amy in because they were like, it's a good time. (laughs) Let me tell you. Like (laughs) the gay's party just a little bit differently. They Um, do. Y'all get like it's lit. They're probably the last subset of people that still dance. And even now I get on gays because they don't really dance as much anymore they you know it's the bottle service that's just our generation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they're probably the last little bit that once the liquor gets flowing it's a little bit more than just standing with a bottle in a section yeah. you know we dance and move a little bit so i i think that like a lot of lines are going to start getting blurred because you're looking at like new york um 
I have a homie, his name is Kenneth Carell. He does this party called Studio 225 mm -hmm. in New York. He DJ'd your ball, right? He did, okay. right. So he has a party that's very blended. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's another DJ out of LA, um, I am Brian Henry. That's his Instagram. Um, but he used to go by B him. But he does like this, uh, what is it? What is it called? It's like an outdoor party. Mm -hmm. But it's very blended. Yeah. And again, it's great. It's like be whoever you want to be just right. to have a good time. Right. And I think that's where our generation is going to start leading to. It's just parties that are very inclusive. That's very blended. Yeah. And we don't need to like the gays don't need to be in some back alleyway and the no. straights don't need to have some like stiff uptight party. Right. We just need a good time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, okay, sir. Before we get to all of your philanthropic work and your extracurriculars, let's talk about your curriculars. What do you do for a living? For your nine to five? For my nine to five. So, uh, unfortunately, fortunately, I still, <laughs> <laughs> I still work in IT. Uh -huh. uh, my degree is in computer information systems. And, you know, I was geeky growing up, played the violin, loved Star Trek Voyager. And I still enjoy those things. I think though that it's a great aspect of me. And just because I'm, also a creative and working in these creative spaces i don't want to or shouldn't have to relinquish that part of me so i work in it i mm -hmm. work with SaaS products and what that basically means is i manage all of the products that we go out and buy mm -hmm. um, and implement instead of designing in-house so okay that's what i do okay it's a lot of fun listen <laughs> um okay so then let's talk about your journey where are you from where were you born where did you go to school like give it to um, us all okay uh i am the child of a woman from kansas mm -hmm. and an immigrant my father's from cuba they both met in dallas mm -hmm. um, so that's where i'm from dallas texas okay d-town really re really quick uh do you identify as afro-latino yes okay yes i do and um, african-american or just afro well i guess that encompasses well, Afro-Latino is black of Latin descent. Right, right. Um, but I look at it like this. It's The only difference is it's a different boat stop. Right. Like my my dad's family got off in Cuba and my mama's family got off in Virginia. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And through, through the years, I've been blended and mixed with other things, you know, like the Spaniards and mm -hmm. the black people who stopped in Cuba. Mm-hmm. That's where you get Cubans. You know, the same thing with the Portuguese and black folks in Brazil. Right. Brazilians. Right. Um, and then the black folks here. So uh, African-American. So call it what you want, but it's a different boat stop. And I got a little bit of everything running through me. But I definitely like to respect both sides of my culture. It was very hard growing up because a lot of people will look at you and be like, oh, you know, you look more black. So you're just black. And they were like, oh, you're not mixed. Because people love to say I'm mixed with yeah. Puerto Rican and um, all this other stuff. Um, but I appreciate both sides of my heritage. So okay. I identify as Afro-Latino and African-American. Okay. And I apply for all the scholarships. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Cuban, a uh, woman from Kansas, met in Dallas. Met in Dallas. And I grew up this little chunky, uh, geeky kid was in the math club. I played the violin from age six all the way to through college okay. was one of the first black soloists with the new conservatory of Dallas go off um, and that's how I kind of grew up and then I ended up going to Howard you mm -hmm. know trekking across the great country and that's where I met you mm -hmm. <clears throat> after Howard I 
moved to New Jersey. I was working for Johnson & Johnson. I was super bored. And so I started playing around with DJ software. This is kind of how DJ Trife happened. Okay. And I used to like just mix while I was at home. You know, my old roommate, Danielle. Yes, Danielle. And Marcus. Yeah. Yes. Howard House. Yes. <laughs> and I used to play with this DJ software and then we would have like people over. So I was mixing. And then someone was like, we used to throw this party, all the black people at J&J uh -huh. called 100 Biscuits. I can't. <laughs> and so we would go hashtag 100 Biscuits, still alive. Shout out to everyone who's there. Um, so we would go to Popeye's and it was basically like Thanksgiving potluck style. Uh -huh. We would get 100 Biscuits from Popeye's and stack and like design a little shrine That's to the biscuit. Mm -hmm. To the biscuit. Okay. And like you had like greens, yams, mac and cheese, cornbread and like ham, dressing, okay. the whole line, ribs, but it would be called 100 Biscuits and okay. all the black people would like convene uh -huh. and have a, like a kickback. Okay. <laughs> um, so I started DJing. I had my little com Bose computer speakers uh -huh. and then someone was like, I'm having a birthday party. So I did a birthday party and then my homeboy was like, I'm doing this like house party in DC. You should come do it. And I was like, I mean, I'm not really a DJ, but you know, mm, I'll we'll pull see. up. Right. Did that party and then there was a promoter in there who was like, yo, do you do clubs? And I was like, uh, yeah. Sure, right. <laughs> I didn't even have a DJ name, but I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Honestly. He was like, okay, I got this party and it was with Don Richards from Danity Kane. Uh, uh, so my very first club party was opening up. Yeah, for, for her her club. Yeah, it was dope. And then that was history. And so from then on, I started working and within like six months, I figured out a name. I went through... DJ Trife with an I. There's a DJ Trife. Then I became DJ Beat Down Brown, DJ Sino. <laughs> I was really trying to figure myself out. And then I became Trife with a Y, not an okay. I. And that's that's literally what happened. And then I found myself at a house party with you. Yes. With Serena Williams. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yeah, you you turn out all the parties. Um, okay, DJ Trife with a Y. Wait, so talk about your. Can you explain to the people where if it ain't Trife and ain't right comes from? Okay, well, the name Trife, I, my name on, on Instagram, which is back today, I just changed it back like a week ago to mm -hmm. Mr. Trife, mm -hmm. used to be Mr. Trife. And mm -hmm. so um, Trife came from my friends just be like, you're so trifling. My uh -huh. friends in the gospel choir. And I'm like, well, call me Mr. Trife. Well, okay. Put some respect <laughs> on my name. And so it naturally became DJ Trife. Uh, one day I was, you know my homegirl Rachel, Rachel yes. Travels on yes. IG. Who, Rachel, if you are listening, you probably not. This, this message is for Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> She's my Maybach music girl. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, if you're listening, you played me in the comments on Instagram. <laughs> I peeked it. You coming to the kickback. <laughs> She's coming. No, yeah. well, I'll definitely get her here. Okay. Um, but she was like, if it ain't Trife, it ain't right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Do that again. Right. But more ghetto. <laughs> more stank. Put some stank on it. And she actually did it via like um, iMessage like text message really yeah she sit, did it on like a voice note and uh -huh. texted it to me and I took it and dropped it in the software and you massaged it and it's crazy because it became like my tagline yeah. whenever you see me people be like if it ain't right it, it ain't, ain't right <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of dope I'm like yeah that's like my she's my Maybach music girl yes. and uh -huh. when, I, when we're out when she's every now and then when we're in the same city and she sees me DJing I was like come do it live yeah and I, I handed her the mic and she'd be like 
that ain't right. But I'm like, you don't even sound the same. Right. Move. <laughs> <laughs> She's nervous. I'm like, why? <laughs> You're the Maybach music girl. Right, right. All you gotta do is be like, Maybach music. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> She's in Joburg now, right? No, she is now in Florida. Like she owns property in Atlanta. She was in Joburg. She moved there for like a year. Yeah. Um, I thought that was like a permanent move. The last time we were here was. on the so day. She, some, something crazy happened. Her father passed away last oh, April. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she decided to come back to the States. And okay. she's just been hanging out with her mom, helping her mom get adjusted to that new normal. Yeah. Kind of hers, too. Uh, but she's still traveling. You yeah. Know, being Rachel. Yeah. She was here for the gala. Yes, in, she was. Uh, January. So she's dope. Okay. Yeah, she's everything. Um... Okay, so we talked about that. You went to school. You majored in business. What is it? Computer information. There we go. But you were in the school of business. Yeah. Why is that? Um, Okay, so the school of business created this program probably, at that time, it was only like four or five years old when I went. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a cross between business and IT. Okay. Um, So it really preps you to be able to work as a liaison between the technical people and our business partners and Uh, so yeah so you have technical people when it comes to like building out software getting requirements business people don't really understand the tech jargon right and tech people just really are not people like people people (laughs) (laughs) so they created this role which didn't become a need until recently yeah Um, that is kind of like a liaison between so you're not really super technical mm-hmm. uh, but you're not really you're not on the business side so you're in it with the understanding of business but you're able to um effectively work within an it space so right. it's, it's a cool space and i ended up at in new jersey for j and j they had like this it leadership development program uh-huh. and I was like, this sounds cool. Yeah. They paying good. Right. Listen, <laughs> J&J, they be paying. Right. Um, okay. So, like, now I want to move into your extracurriculars. We talked about DJ Trife. I want to talk about the um, <clears throat> philanthropist that you are now becoming and where that whole thing started. Um, I guess mental health, right? Is your... Yeah. So, not... Okay. I'm not yet a philanthropist. I'm getting you're into right. philanthropy because I'm not giving out all my money. True, you're that right. I make. You're right because <laughs> philanthropists like most of their money goes to. Yeah. Okay. That's but not usually they have a lot of money, and so yeah. then the money they make they give away because they can. Right. I'll be there one day, but today my coins are my coins. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you you're entering the philanthropic entering, space. Yes, I'm entering the philanthropic space. Um, I have been diagnosed with clinical depression. It's been something I've been dealing with kind of in silence for. Uh-huh. for when were my, you diagnosed? Uh, at Howard. Okay. So like 2021. 20, and I didn't really want to like deal with it. I didn't want to face it head on. And I definitely couldn't tell my parents. My mother's a preacher and black Southern parents, island parents. Like, yeah, they would have just told your you. Parents to, are Jamaican, yeah, so you understand. Yeah, like, they would have just told you to pray. Like, and you'd right, be fine. So that shit on the rug and yeah. keep pumping. Yeah. So, <laughs> or moving, you know. Right. But I say pump. <laughs> um, so that was something I silently struggled with and it wasn't until my adult life that I really started taking it seriously and getting the help that I needed Mm -hmm. and I didn't think I would make it to 30 like I would have these huge depressing stints where I would go weeks without leaving my house and Mm -hmm. eating you know that you've knocked at my door yes 
you come and like hunted me down yes. and like you and your sister have literally been here like yeah <laughs> we are here open the fucking door um listen i mean your sister has keys to my house yes. so that is something that i've had to manage that i've had to deal with and i've always thought that i if i made it to 30 i would do something to bring awareness to the cause to mm-hmm. celebrate making it to 30 and getting past multiple suicide attempts and also letting other people know that you probably are not alone in your yeah. struggle i think i'm the last person that someone would look at to think mm-hmm. that whoever look at me and think that i i am struggling and yeah. people look at your accomplishments like i mean hell just going to college and mm-hmm. you know owning a home mm-hmm. and traveling and mm-hmm. starting successful businesses and tv and commercials and you start doing that like i'm up and coming but people look at that and think that you have it all together and right. then i'm not ugly so you right know. <laughs> <laughs> right they're like oh, what you does know, he like, have to be depressed about can't even pick no struggle right like, right he's not broke he's not ugly he's not fat like, damn. <laughs> okay i'm sorry i just didn't took my home that's fine um I thought that if I was more open and vulnerable, vulnerable about that, then it would really inspire someone else to be like, well, damn, if he could do that, and he can get he can work through that. Mm-hmm. Then um, I can, too. So mm-hmm. that is where the Varebus ball came from, which was my it was an inaugural ball. But I decided to donate my birthday party to the cause. Mm-hmm. And Varebus stands for strength in Latin. And a re- and. Then I also hosted the pumpkin patch, which is pumpkin carving. And so from both of those events, we were able to, you know, we did those to donate funds to different foundations in that space. Mm -hmm. And originally my idea was, hey, do the parties, do the fun things, bring the awareness, but give the money to the people who have boots on the ground. Right. Um, But then I started to feel like that was a little bit of a cop out and that I needed to um, that I was just trying to get away from actually doing the work that I didn't want to, you know, put mm. that type of work in. Okay. So at the beginning of the year after the the gala, I decided to incorporate Varebus and make it a 501. Okay. And so now I'm the founder of the Varebus Foundation. Okay. And our first inaugural event will be um, the Varebus Summit. Okay. And Varebus stands for Strength in Latin, if people didn't know. So the Strength Summit. And I want to talk about uh, the stigma about fighting that about finding help about how to like interview your therapist just because you know the first person you find is not the one that yeah. may work for you yeah a lot of therapists bring or counselors or psychiatrists not as much psychiatrists but therapists and counselors bring in their experiences a little bit into the session so mm-hmm. you want to align yourself with someone who feels that way but that's kind of where i'm moving so i want to get into what the foundation is doing two fundraisers and the summit mm. every year so that's the the, the ball mm. the ball um, <laughs> the pumpkin patch uh-huh. and the summit and it's, okay. that's kind of where i want to start so two fundraisers and then one um conference okay about mental health in the black community and i want to partner with other foundations that are doing that type of work so that is like my next thing for 30. listen Congratulations. Thank you. That's everything. Um, I've seen you struggle. I've seen you go through it. We all struggle. So I guess my question is to you, how do you, so for me, like I've been depressed before, 
Mm-hmm. And it's never until like after you've like come out on the other side that you're like, damn, like you know, I was fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was depressed. Like, but while you're while you're depressed, you're like, oh, I'm just you know, I'm fine. Like you know, 15 pounds. Like okay, like, yeah, I lost weight. It's cool. Right. Or I gained weight. Like I'm eating my feelings, but you know, oh, and I have a paper due, so I get maybe in the winter. I'm procrastinating. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like, do you, I guess, do you have any, I know it's different for, you know, everyone, but like, do you have any warning signs? Can you tell when it's like coming and what are the signs at this point? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I know my triggers. So those are triggers. So a lot of times, uh, you'll, I'll experience something. I'm like, shit, that was one of my triggers. And I'll start to feel me slipping into it. And Mm -hmm. at this point I can, I can, I know when I'm close to the edge yeah and so i'll try to do well i've worked through therapy to recognize my triggers and mm-hmm. then when i see them coming or that when it's happened <laughs> depressed people don't work out right so um i try to go to the gym mm-hmm. i will try to reach out to friends and say hey let's hang out mm-hmm. um stand in the sun yeah you know sad people don't sit in the sun right uh, just a lot of things cook do whatever I do can do to mm-hmm. try to fight to get out of it I mean sometimes I'm successful sometimes I'm not but I can rec- I do recognize my triggers I do know when it's like oh shit it's coming and then once I'm in it it's just kind of like well shit here we are yeah time to start crawling my way out of here yeah uh, or being dragged out <laughs> dragged out and that's why I like when I see my triggers coming I I fight very hard to get it because I know once I'm there it's mm-hmm. like child you got a week or soon so get comfortable (laughs) 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 bitch go buy some ice cream like and and just be in this space (laughs) (laughs) um okay so when you interview a therapist like what i don't know i'm you know like maybe a little preview for your first summit like what types of things do you look for what what do you prefer um so the first thing that i like to to chat with a therapist about is well i would like to me i would like to find someone that's a person of color Mm -hmm. i have found and i'm not saying all therapists or therapists who are not of color can't understand but i have found that most people who are not of color do not understand the black experience or the experience of color Mm -hmm. in america Mm -hmm. um the nuances of that and having when you're having that conversation i don't want to have to explain like my messed up mind Mm -hmm. and then also have to explain to you what the black experience is and why certain things that contributes to it yeah yeah i I don't want to have to explain that um or teach you that I'm sure right. some people be willing to learn but in my sessions I'm not trying to teach you all right right, right. Um, the also, sessions you're, you're charging me for like yeah. spending half the time <laughs> teaching you that experience and then also the gay experience mm-hmm. so sometimes uh, trying to figure that out and I would feel that if I had to sit with a straight man I would probably feel a little bit uneasy speaking about my experiences as a gay man especially yeah. a gay man of color so mm-hmm. if I were to sit with a, with a white man or with a white straight man I'd be like <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's finding someone that has some type of commonality. Uh-huh. So my therapist is a black woman. Um, the other thing is, I think it's important if you're like really religious to find someone that's also really religious. I myself am not that religious. Uh-huh. And so I like that working with my therapist. She's not that religious. She doesn't like interject a lot of church colloquial colloquialisms mm-hmm. or you know things like that into our session she's more holistic and she speaks more fact-based yeah but you know if you are a religious person if that is like your rock then you definitely want to find somebody that unlike her is more religion yeah. religious and that's going to bring that into your sessions right. to help you with your healing 
um, and, but also someone who is qualified because a lot of people go to these churches and be talking to people who, yeah. who like, did not go to school and that was my next thing you want to find after you find someone that may share your experiences you want to find someone that's actually trained mm-hmm. to understand you know conflict resolution and all these <laughs> other things because <laughs> um, if you find that the therapists are not Miss Cleo's like they're not going to tell you what to do they're not going to see into your future and tell you what the best decision Mm -hmm. is going to be they're going to ask you the questions to help you unpack Mm -hmm. and you know figure out what your next step should be and so Mm -hmm. if you find a therapist that's giving you advice you're in the wrong places yeah your therapist should not be giving you advice because if they do and you make the wrong decision they have to own that yeah they have to be responsible for leading you down that road and the only person that needs to be responsible for your actions is you. So mm-hmm. a great therapist is going to give you, uh, help you understand things, understand why you're doing things mm-hmm. and help you lead you to make decisions. Yeah. And hopefully they can lead you away from bad ones. Listen, but at the end, you, end of the day, you got to make your own decisions and then you'll be happier with whatever you make because you know you yeah made it yourself and it wasn't something you won't regret something else someone told you to do or whatever. So why do you think it's still such a stigma it's 2020 i still like i i think that we've we've made it like we destigmatized talking about it yeah. but people are still not going you know what i mean like i feel like when someone in the room says that they're going no one ostracizes them but like them themselves yeah we're well, not going well i mean it's the stigma it's how we were raised i've been trying to get my mother mother to go yeah and she was like, well, no, you can go, but I think I'm fine. Like, I don't I don't need to go. And I'm like, oh, girl. No, you need crazy. to go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's how she was raised. They, one, generationally, black people do not trust doctors, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, we were guinea pigs for a lot of testing. Yeah. And we also just historically didn't have the funds. Yeah. Generational-wise yeah. to, to go to doctors. So there's that. And then Mm -hmm. there's also the misconception that you're crazy. And Mm -hmm. that was one thing I was trying to tell my mother. I was like, there's a difference between going to like a counselor therapist versus a psychiatrist. Right. I'm not saying you need to be diagnosed for bipolarism or like that you need to be on meds or anything. Sometimes you just need an unbiased party to walk you through things. Yeah. And I am unbiased. So, well, I am not unbiased right. when it comes to talking to my mom. So I'm like, girl, we can't chat about stuff and you ain't either. So right. I can't chat with you about things. Right. So that's really, really what it comes down to. Yeah. I went to a therapist in law school. It was one of those situations where um, one of my friends, she was like, oh, we getting ready to graduate. It's free. You should like go because you're having a rough time. And I was like, Ugh, I guess. Like, so I went and sat down and it was everything. Mm-hmm. It was everything. Mm-hmm. I need to find one. I've been looking for, I've been, it's on my list of things to do. Um, you know, people say you go get your, chi- your teeth and your body checked up. Why would you not get your exactly. mind exactly. checked on? Exactly. And I don't know if this was because she was my first, but <laughs> I'm looking to recreate her in my next ther- therapist. I feel like I don't want, I don't want, a, a, well, I don't want nobody white. Like, I don't want anybody white talking to me for the same reasons. Like, you don't get it. You don't get what I'm going through for real. I mean, you can get it, like, from a theoretical point of view, but you don't really live it. Until you've been in my skin. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't want a, a man because I feel like 
there's this like from man to man like I just feel like it's you feel a little judged a little yeah bit, like, like judged if and, you're not doing the things that men are supposed to do exactly yep. exactly and then a black woman so my therapist was Latina mm-hmm. and she I felt like when I look across the table at a black woman, I see my mom, I see my sister. I see <laughs> so I'm not sure if I could be like open for real, for real. But with Latina, like I feel like you are black adjacent. Like you, you understand everything. Like you're a woman, you're not a man. Like mm-hmm. it was just you're a minority. You get it. Yeah, you get it you to get an it. extent. Yeah. yeah, I don't have to explain these things. Exactly. To you. No. So like it, she was perfect. <clears throat> I fuck with that. Yeah. So I need to I need to find another one and I will. Um okay. So we talked about Varebus and how popping you are. I'd like to talk about what you want to talk about at this point. Who like me? yeah, like what like hot topics, what's going on in the world? It could be frivolous or super serious. That you you now have a mic. I mean you always have a mic, but like <laughs> you know you're right. Is this, you know, is this thanks to recording? Right. You now have this mic and you know you wanna address. Uh, do I want to put somebody on the docket and charge them? I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm a, like a news junkie. Mm-hmm. I'm a political news junkie, and it's probably because I live in D.C. and it's just very hard to get away from it. Yeah, but I'm one of those people who who flip through like CNN, MSNBC, and disgracefully Fox just to see what they what bullshit they over there talking about, right. like what they lying about today. Right. Okay, you got to see what they tell. <laughs> Listen, forty percent of America who's over here listening to them. Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like America's in danger, girl. And <laughs> yes, for real. And I just. I, I, it's so depressing. It is. No, it is. And I guess my my question to you, can you... Oh, hide? you know what Go I want to talk about? So, how do you feel about the Billy Porter and, like, his beautiful gowns at this point? Like, okay. How do I feel about it? I love Billy Porter. I love the things mm-hmm. that he is doing. Mm-hmm. I love that he is trailblazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that when he came out in that velvet tuxedo gown mm-hmm. originally, it was so groundbreaking yeah. and strong yeah. for him to do that. However, uh oh, not but, because okay. I'm not going to negate anything, I, the great things I just said right. about him. Oh, and his performance with Janelle Monae yes. at the Oscars. Like, yeah. Oh, God. He's amazing. I feel the gown thing is starting to get gimmicky. Listen. And like that hat and it's it's feeling very drag. Like that hat with the motorized. Yes. <laughs> Which was everything. And I was like, gag, 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 this is good. I was like, y'all will gag. Right. America will gag. Yeah. But it's starting to feel very gimmicky. I'm like starting, very gaga-ish. Not gaga. It's like it's like he knows that people talk about it, regardless yeah. if you like it or not. Yeah. And and he's just and he's doing it, but it's like it's not as good. Yeah. And people are like you're hating. I'm like, no, I love Auntie. Like, right. I love Auntie Porter. Like, yeah. <laughs> and y'all can't talk about her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I feel like he's it's just it's starting to become very gimmicky. And I mean, yeah. I mean, this is just my personal opinion. It doesn't mean it's the right opinion. I just like, do you have to do be in every red carpet? Does it have to be the most? I don't know about the most if that's a because like I'm True. fine with it being the most like, right, right, right. Thing. like it doesn't have to be a gown uh, every time okay 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 because you weren't really wearing gowns before right so is that is, is like that what everything's most comfortable in or is I don't that, know because that could be the could be the thing like if yeah. that's the thing that you're most comfortable and that's the thing you really enjoy then baby do it right but 
it doesn't feel uh-huh. like it's something he enjoys. It feels gimmicky. Yeah. And I, we could be wrong. Like, right. We could be, I could be 100% wrong. Mm. Um, I would love to hear his opinion on, on yeah. um, or have a conversation around it. But, like, I'm here for pushing the envelope. I'm here for it being for, you know, the right. gender, gender uh, like, blurring the lines yeah. of gender when but it comes be, to dress. But be, be versatile is what you're saying. Like, don't now just start wearing all gowns. Like, you're only wearing gowns. And it's just, like, every piece doesn't have to be a, a statement, statement, a political statement. Yeah. If that makes sense. I, I don't agree. know. It just doesn't feel fun anymore. Yeah. It feels like Forced. he's coming to gag us every time. Yeah. It's just like... No, you could just you could just show up and like look nice and just walk the carpet. You don't have to be like the story every mm-hmm. time. You know, I also feel this. <laughs> I'll probably get shot down for this, but I also feel the same way about Lil Nas and yes. like yeah, that cowboy hat and yeah. like the the every, dazzled every every time it's like the same look. Yeah, yeah, reincarnated. Yeah, He's, and I'm just like, I get what y'all are doing, like the branding and yeah. stuff. I don't even know if that's what he like. Do you want that to be your brand? Like, is that like where's the growth from that? I guess is what I'm I don't know. To I mean, out Ariana still got a ponytail, so true. Beyonce still being Leotards, but ain't, ain't no one complaining. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so I always say all that to say that I guess you know we're all, I'm not. I guess I am down for them being who they are and doing what they want to do and whatever mm-hmm. the fuck they want to wear. I just I, it doesn't feel as genuine to me and I, I really want to see him like grow yeah. in that space but I do fuck with that like you're opening the Oscars you're doing red carpet interviews at the Oscars I mean he's definitely trailblazing trailblazing and then like inside the gay community there's a huge conversation about there's like two schools of two schools of gays there are the gays that can pass <laughs> yeah passing gays and the gays that are more like Billy Porter that mm-hmm. are more um recognizable Mm -hmm. and so like the gays that are more recognizable are very much like we never had um representation in media and so Mm -hmm. like we finally do so stop fucking complaining right and then you have the passing gays who could pass for straight who are very upset now because they're like the only type of gays we see in the media are the ones who are like have gowns on (laughs) (laughs) in in essence yes and they're they're like well where's our representation Mm -hmm. and then the the other gays back on their side was like well you wasn't really here for my type of representation and you still not so why right. should i care that you don't have representation mm. so it's 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 a conversation happening in inside yeah. the gay community and I, it really just comes down to representation everybody wants to right. represent it and to be honest i really want more gays to be represented in different lights yeah like the gay thing is popular now mm-hmm. I'll say that and it's it's cool for organizations to have mm-hmm. gays and their commercials and to the have rainbow, rainbow flags stuff, every yeah. June you know because it makes them seem very you inclusive. know liberal and inclusive it whatever. also brings gay dollars let's exactly. be like let's we, be very we have the coins to spend yeah um, so yes that's great but I'm I'm willing for us to go to the, to take it to like level two gay, <laughs> level three. You know, let's let's upgrade from like one on one gay one on one and you know, just um, using the ballroom culture as entertainment. Like let's move past that and let's shed the light on all the gays who are working in corporate America who are owning businesses. Yeah. And, who you would never know is right. gay because you're like oh, I don't even know gay people were like this no these bitches been in your face they've been in your offices yeah. they've been yeah. you know in your grocery stores they've been at your gyms yeah. you just always assumed that gay looked like one thing and that they weren't gay so I definitely want 
to see that type of representation and i'm not saying it more than what we currently have i just holistically want to see gays um as who we are and the different sizes and right. the different colors right. and the different shapes the mask and the or feminine. just like as people who happen to be gay exactly like the fact right. that you're gay doesn't have to be like the central point of your storyline all for the time for every storyline every yeah. character every friend you see on a housewife show or new you know drama that they add a gay storyline to like that's the first thing that they're gay and it's yeah. just like now let them be people and then let the audience be shocked that they had a man right <laughs> exactly <laughs> don't let it be who they are lead with who they are as people and not with who they are fucking yeah yeah i agree so can i ask because we're on this topic and i and i feel like i um i have a lot of friends that have very strong opinions about sexuality mm-hmm. and that that's informed on I feel like we're heading towards zaya <laughs> so no i mean do you mind speaking on this no not at all okay so i guess i'm gonna ask you a series of questions that i want you to answer as honestly as possible okay you identify as a, a, a gay man correct mm-hmm. okay did you choose to be gay and if so like when did you make that choice no i didn't choose to be gay. <laughs> Um, and, I, I, and this this is the retort is all this time it's like well when did you choose to be straight yeah. it, it, it's it's facts like yeah. when did you actually choose when did you wake up and be like well yeah I'm gonna be straight today yeah um, people are like oh it's natural but you know, gays homosexuality naturally happens in, in all species of- yeah not even just humans yeah um, so no I okay. didn't choose to be gay I it, I probably knew, oh, definitely like 10, 11, 12 mm-hmm. was when I knew. Mm-hmm. You'd just be, you'd be looking and you'd be like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, you everybody would have a crush on like the really cute, you know, it's like the girl that everyone was yeah. crushing on at like 12. And I'm like, oh, she's cute. Hey, girl. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm cool with her. Like, yeah. we, me and her cool, but right. I'm like, no. Mm. Okay. <laughs> you just remember like girls having like crushes on you and I'm just, like very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I remember I was went to my eighth grade dance and I went with this girl and we had like a limo and all of us were you know, in the limo. We yeah. were heading back and I think everybody started making out and she looked at me to make out and I was like <laughs> cringe, 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 cringe. Right. I'm doing this. Right, I'm doing right. this. Um and just every sexual experience with girls was very, very much like yeah, in my you feel mind. Right. It was cringeworthy mm. every time. So yeah, okay, I knew. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So I guess so. My thing is, and 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 you black, like who would choose to like have two strikes against? That's what like, I tell you all the time. Like who would choose to be a black gay man right. <laughs> in America? Like yeah. why would I ever choose this life? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just having to come out, having to deal with family, and then for me, up until like college once i knew i was gay i was that was a horrible decision to make at that time you could not get married yeah you um couldn't openly hold hands or go on dates in yeah. most major cities in america without being harassed without being harassed your family probably wasn't fucking with it it's yeah. not on tv it wasn't the cool yeah. thing to do pride wasn't a thing right you were not proud to go to parades right so like that was not a thing and then like Howard was definitely like a don't ask don't tell type mm-hmm, of thing and if mm-hmm. you became out you were blacklisted you were not making any orgs you yeah. could forget it yeah like if you wanted to pledge or anything like that at that time you could forget it it wasn't happening yeah and like let's be honest the only since well while we were at Howard of all the D9 
we probably know two open I don't want to say names because then we'll lead to things but right. two openly gay men who like crossed as openly gay mm-hmm. openly gay yeah and then since then yeah and like <laughs> one of them was a Sigma which Sigma's I've always been a little bit more like open yeah I'm not gonna welcoming. go into more yeah right. but exactly mm-hmm. like of the other uh, fraternities how many openly gay now actual gays one thing but openly right. gay people <laughs> do you know who like successfully pledged none one well one yeah yeah we know one right um but yeah so that was the thing like you were you were actively blacklisting yourself Mm -hmm. so i I tell people all the time like this is not a life that i i wanted but you know we're all fighting now and it's getting better yeah you can live your life you can get married you Mm -hmm. can adopt kids in some states right (laughs) (laughs) right um speaking of kids do you want them uh yeah i want as many as i can afford okay uh, I always felt like outside of the money that I need for me myself, mm-hmm. I need like an additional hundred thousand dollars per year per child. Because uh-huh. um, think about it, I mean, being able to put your child through school, save effectively extracurricular activities, yeah. be able to travel with them, yeah, and like still take vacations. They're expensive. They're very expensive, and you know, I still want to drive what I drive. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm not low, I'm not lowering my standards. Right. You're not getting ready to push no, anytime soon. Put no snotty nose. <laughs> 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 so I, that's how I feel. Uh, okay, I want kids, and I would I wouldn't mind having like three or four. But you know, we'll see what my pockets are talking about. Okay, mm-hmm. Did, are kids subject to you being like with a partner? Like, would you pull a Hill Harper? Because you know Hill Harper ran out and was like, you know, I'm not meeting any woman anytime soon. I want a child, and he adopted oh, a child. Most definitely, you you know the gays are like we don't. I need permission. Right. <laughs> I don't need to follow the rules, and my mother will be very happy because sister mm-hmm. has been waiting for a grandbaby. So yeah. she's like, "Oh, you finna go get a, get a child? Okay, yeah. I'm finna run down there and pick one up. You good? <laughs> you know? Would you be interested in having uh, biologically, you know, like children that are biologically yours? So if I just if I run out and do it on my own, I will I will do like my actual like biologically mine mm-hmm. if i'm with a partner it doesn't really matter okay um i used to be very adamant on i have to have a child that's fine but now i feel like it's a little selfish and then mm-hmm. there are a lot of people children who need love and most mm-hmm. people already know that child didn't come from me anyway most likely right so, <laughs> you know why not have a little asian baby right <laughs> um although i would i would lean towards a, a black child mm-hmm. um Preferably a darker skinned child. Mm-hmm. They have harder times getting adopted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would get. And I would just go from there. Okay. And, and yeah, and rear the child up and let it be what it is. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, speaking of representation, a lot of, I've noticed a lot of um, gay black men who are like making waves now in the Mm -hmm. entertainment industry or and outside of the entertainment industry are married to or dating white white men what Mm -hmm. is i mean and and the same could be said for straight black men as well but like i i feel like there are a lot of Mm -hmm. eligible gay black men who are like doing the damn thing Mm -hmm. why is it that when you see them in the spotlight and no shade to white gay men like y'all are cool but like wh- I, I'm just trying to figure out in your opinion as a black gay male like why what, yeah, where is what it is, coming yeah. from child I'm not Miss Cleo <laughs> no um I'm <sighs> <laughs> I will say this like 
love who you love mm-hmm. it's cool it's a thing you know whatever you whatever you like is what you like but it is a little disheartening sometimes to see like black men when they make it to to be around to to end up with a white man but mm-hmm. i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna say it probably has to do more with um who is around you yeah and your access to people yeah because our community is not the best yeah the, i mean let's let's be honest black people make up what 13 percent of america mm-hmm. 13 14 percent 330 million that mm-hmm. makes us like 40 50 amount of math but my 40 50 million mm-hmm. um and then when you start moving into a space of like actors actresses or just people who share your experience of being famous mm-hmm. Um, and then that may also be openly gay and black and famous and mm-hmm. all of that. Your pool is your small. dating pool is very small. Like who the fuck will Beyonce date? Like who the fuck does Rihanna date? Right, you know right, right. Rihanna be over there with these Arab men. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Beyonce got her a, a drug dealer. Like right. you know what I'm saying? Right. So I really think it has more to do with that mm-hmm. that just your access to people who share that you're now very small experience of being famous and being paid Mm -hmm. and all of those things becomes less and less and so you kind of got a date you you know one day at your level but yeah how many black people are also dating at your level and and some people don't want to date down like yeah yeah i wouldn't yeah that's like, a struggle tried it and it, it ain't really like a thing yeah so <laughs> not trying to make fetch fetch <laughs> so i i, I kind of see it more as that mm-hmm. that your access to people who of of your level is is smaller okay so gonna, like you I'm, that's where i'm gonna place okay it. so you you probably face the same situation a lot of like educated black women face like with trying to find black men. yeah I, I mean it's a little bit better in dc mm-hmm. um it's a lot of bit better than mm-hmm. other places in the country. Or I but imagine you, Atlanta would be a good place as well, right? For yeah. some. <laughs> <laughs> for some. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I think the same thing happens with educated black women mm-hmm. is that you are a dime a dozen. You are literally a minority within a minority. Mm-hmm. Like you're a woman that's doing amazing and finding of the black men that are in America, say maybe let's say if there's 50 million black people 25 million black men of those 25 million black men how many of them are in jail mm. or you know the percentage of black men or have been to jail and right. then to say how many of those men have actually did not go to jail don't have any kids and also have a college degree and over 30 that make at least six figures yeah the dating pool gets slim yeah. and trim and yeah. then of those men who are, how many are gay and so like yeah. gay men and straight women got us the, the pool of men who are yeah. you know over 30 making six figures and educated that pool is split half gay half you know it's a yeah. small pool and it's split between the gays so it's like damn I kind of get it yeah. so that's why I was is saying is that where the animosity comes from I feel like a lot of black women have like they're very animous towards you guys sometimes I, so to wrap up that first conversation yeah. that's what leads the higher you go the harder it is to find black men to mm-hmm. your first thing I don't really think there's animosity between gays and black women what I do think is that sometimes black women feel like they have there's this back and forth that black women feel, feel that they've become caricatures in mm-hmm. the, the gay community um, but the gays also feel like black women have made gays caricatures okay you know what I just said yeah. in their community Yeah. so but that's because they both hang out a lot. So yeah. you see a lot of like <laughs> black women and they'll go on TV, especially like housewives. Mm. And they use all this lingo like shade and all this stuff. And they're basically gay men. Yeah. But then they're homophobic. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, or like, yes. They'll hang out with you, they'll get their hair done, but they won't have you around their kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, things like that. They won't bring you up in their church circles and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. But they want you to come do their hair and hang out with them and yeah. help you get dressed. Yeah. So it's, it's this weird dichotomy of black women using all of our lingo it's like you know the gays been saying shades since like the 80s yeah right? and now that y'all then took our, lang- our lingo and made it mainstream you're not really giving us the credit for it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the opposite end I'm sure black women probably feel like black gays the more feminine gays mm-hmm. um, are trying to be women yeah. or trying to you know you know flipping the hair and right. like all this other stuff but a lot of that big culture and over the topness comes not just from just people being gay but a lot of that is from like the ballroom community so mm-hmm. it's like no sis they not stealing after you this is just the whole dramatics and all that stuff that's that's our culture right um so it's that yeah it's it's a weird it's a it's a tiptoey place it's a little gray um a lot of women don't know black gay culture and the history behind like the ballroom scene and where mm-hmm. all of that came from so I think that's kind of where it is mm-hmm. it's that stickiness of who did it first right <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> okay so I have a couple more questions for you okay. where where oh are you single yeah okay are you looking to mingle um Ooh, not I'm really? here for a good time not a long time <laughs> because <laughs> um, the amount of times that I have been at one of your events and almost got swung on because one of your little booze or bays thought that I was trying to you know oh God. <laughs> I just feel like you have a lot of friends and why don't you have like one good friend well I, not to get dark and mm-hmm. we can definitely move out of this as soon as I get done okay. but a lot of my triggers mentally are linked to dating mm. um and so I'm very apprehensive about going down that path because if something happens and I end up getting triggered, I could fall off mm-hmm. and I could be off for a very long time. Yeah. So I'm very um, cautious yeah. about going down that road with somebody yeah. because I, it has to be worth it. And I have to know that I Trust have a them. low likelihood of being triggered. Yeah. And so that's really what it is for me. Okay. I'm very cautious. Yeah. Like I'm just... I'm like, Oof. right, because I don't want to fall off, and then I fall off, and then like I just start talking to you, and then you like, child, this nigga crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I'm just, I mean, I'm being true to myself. Yeah, I know whose I am, and I actively am working through desensitizing my triggers in therapy. Therapy weekly. So okay. I mean, that's just kind of where I am, and that's okay. why I be like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Right. We can grab a drink. Whoop de whoop. Yeah. Be blessed. Right. And you're coming, and you're going. <laughs> 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 so is is do you think being well I would I would venture to say that being black obviously is a part of like what contributes to like some of your lows and like it life being hard right and it's no I don't no? think so like what my about- triggers so like my my depression is literally linked to more of a chemical imbalance in mm-hmm. me and not necessarily situational so okay. so like gay black none of that stuff really I mean, like- all those things like play into your life in general but mm-hmm. me specifically mm-hmm. my my case is more or less just me so I could be triggered like I could be having an amazing week and Mm -hmm. someone don't text me back and then I get triggered and then I'm just like oh my god Mm -hmm. um 
that's really and that's why I was like very adamant at the ball, like explaining what came up, what my what uh, clinical depression is mm-hmm. and how it's more linked to that and yeah. not necessarily like situation. Yeah. Um, which also helps people understand that, like, just because I have all these amazing things going on, yeah, amazing people maybe mean, around, doesn't mean that I can't fall off right. in the middle of all this amazingness. Right. Which, I mean, a week before the ball, yeah, like, you. I was struggling and literally um, leaving the, the TV studio doing press, headed to the radio station. I'm on the phone with my therapist because I'm like struggling. Yeah. And that's really where like that's my story. OK. So, yeah, it doesn't really have anything to do with like my life struggles. I think mm-hmm. I've been able to like tackle those easily. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, you know, a trigger happened and child I'd be laid out. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really how, that's really me and that's how I manage it. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I was going to tell the people to slide into your DMs, but do not slide into his DMs. Oh, wait, no, 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 You may be discouraging my husband. You're right, you're right. So it is at Mr. Trife with a Y, not an I. That's M R T R Y F E. Also, info at, you know, some of y'all may not be on social. My husband may not be on social yeah, you're media. Right, you're so, right. info at trifellc.com. I'm going to put all that in the, in yeah, the just, description just, in the bottom of that. Shoot me so, an email yes. and we could go have a, a cocktail. Yes, but just know if you trigger my friend, I'm going to fight you. Well, you know, I have a, a war room of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, making sure I'm going to be okay. And, you know, I know how to, you know, take get it rid slow. of them. Yeah. yeah, I know how to take it slow or, you know, ta-da, ta-da. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I'll be fine because I'm not saying it's a no. I just, I tread lightly. lightly. As you should. Yeah, I tread lightly. So, whoever's coming, you already know what I got going on in my life. Mm-hmm. And enjoy the ride. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of, okay, so the last thing is I have every guest, like, you know, drop a little gem at the very end. So you can address, you know, a specific person. You can address a group of people. You can address everybody. It could be a paragraph. It could be like a little adage. But what do you I want hate to, to say? say it. <laughs> I hope I don't sound ridiculous. But this is for Rachel, you fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, uh, I will leave on a positive note. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I've learned in life is that in order to grow, you have to find comfort in being uncomfortable. So if you are in a space where you are comfortable, then that is not a place that facilitates growth. And so that's how I kind of look at my life. And I'm like, well, if I'm ever in a space where I'm bored or I'm just chilling, then this is not in a space. This is not a space conducive for me to grow. So, being okay with being in an uncomfortable position is like a great place to be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, thank <laughs> you, sir, for coming to the kickback. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> and we will all go be uncomfortable somewhere. Go be uncomfortable. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs>